Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Tracy. I'm already nervous. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tracy, exercise bulimic sugar addict. Hi, Tracy. I want to thank Rashad for asking me to speak, and um, it's it's like super surreal to be in this room. I came into program almost ten years ago in another country that didn't we didn't speak English there, and um, so I listened to podcasts. Um, as my first means to connect to people in 12-step programs. And the first podcast I listened to and was, like, addicted to, I mean, I listened, like, multiple a day, was The Light a Candle. And I remember um, listening to the podcast, and I guess all the ones that I tended to listen to were in the spring and the summer, because I just envisioned all of you sitting out in, like, a a field of lavender (laughs) with... (laughs) With the birds chirping, because, you know, in the summertime here in the spring, the birds are out in the courtyard chirping. And so I just thought, wow, where are these people? This just sounds like amazing. (laughs) So we're pretty much in the school, for those of you who are listening, Um, just a nice regular old school in Brentwood. Um, So anyways, um, it's it's pretty cool to be here. Um, I'll start with the traditional format. So what it was like for me was as a kid, um, food was always like super exciting. Um, and you know, I was the kid in the, in the, at, in the lunchtime that had, you know, the two chili cheese hot dogs, the two cartons of chocolate milk, a side of pound cake from the vending machine. Like I had the serious legit lunch. And um, all my peers had just, like, one of everything, and then they didn't even finish that. And so, um, you know, I got away with that in terms of, like, not really knowing that I had any problems with food because I played sports my whole life. I was an athlete literally every day, every season. I never stopped. So um, it just didn't really show up on me. And when I got into my 20s, I uh, decided to compete in in a competition a physique competition, and so I had to follow a food plan that was so, you know, stringent, um, somewhat like my personality, very black and white, and, um, you know, it took, like, a moderate compulsive overeating problem into, like, just down in the dumps, demoralizing, hopeless, full of despair eating problem like a a light switch just went off and I just it was like I was off to the races I just could not get enough of fill in the blank I mean anything that had the first three ingredients was sugar um not gonna overeat on broccoli or kale or any of that it's sugar um so you know 
what I started to do was um, become very compulsive with my tracking of my food. My whole life became about tracking my food. A lot of people in here that know me, they they hear me often say that I, I was like snow globe living, you know, like the little snow globes you pick up. And like, that's how small my world was, like a four inch glass ball. And that's pretty much what I did was I, I binged. I over-exercised for three or four hours, and then I went back and tracked my food in a software program. I mean, that is a small life. That is a really small life. Um, just to, like, give you some numbers, um, I'm down about 30 pounds from my top weight. Um, that was, like, the worst, um, and that's actually when I came in the program about 10 years ago. I think, you know, um, I'm human. There's a little vanity there. And um, I was like, okay, this is taking over my life. It's showing up on my body in ways that I never saw before. And uh, I think what was so demoralizing was the fact that in so many areas of my life I had control, but this one I did not. I was so, so powerless. Um, you know, I just, I'm sure you all know, like I made promises to myself every morning, not going to do this today. My deal was like I could get through the day, I could white knuckle it, I could be at work. Four o'clock came, and in the particular country I used to live in, it was a bakery on every corner. That's not an understatement at all. There really was a bakery on every corner. And so I bakery hopped. I went to all the various bakeries and got all my favorite foods, and that could take, you know, maybe 30 minutes or so on a bicycle. And um, and that was my deal. I did that every single day um, you know, for the year that I lived there. And um, I decided finally because, you know, for me when I have sugar, I get depressed. Like, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys have heard of the sugar blues. Like, I definitely get those. And so I decided to seek some outside help. And um, she pretty much told me I had an eating disorder, which I thought was just asinine, to be honest with you. Um, sorry, I know I'm not supposed to swear. So, um, um, I got that notification, um, via email. Okay. So anyways, um, I just, you know, it, it, the point was it, it was out of control. That's the point. And, um, she told me that, you know, I had this. And so of course I went to the first thing that I always go to when I'm perplexed, Google, that's an outside issue. Sorry. So anyways, I'm, I'm researching this and I'm like, oh my God, she's right. I have, I, I binge eat. And I overexercise, you know. Um, I just thought I was like diehard. Go to the gym. So what? You vomit in your mouth while you're on the treadmill and you swallow it back down. Go hard or go home. No. <laughs> so, so anyways, it, it was rough. It was really rough. And um, thankfully, I got into OA there. Like I said, that's where I started listening to those, this podcast. And um, my life changed immediately. I was on the best pink lot. I, I went from bakery hopping to riding down the streets on the bicycle with the sun shining, the wind blowing through my hair, the pretty green leaves, you know, wavering. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what life's supposed to be about. And I just rode that pink cloud and, like, had an amazing time. And then, you know, like all things that I put energy into that are similar to diets, um, you know, they come to a screeching halt because I, I couldn't sustain it. Like, I was working this program to the point of perfectionism, and that's not sustainable. And I've already mentioned, like, I'm a black and white kind of person. Uh, as of today, I've really found the gray. So, But in the beginning of the program, like, I was totally black and white. And so for me, it took a long time to um, 
step back and not use all the nine tools as if it were my oxygen and, you know, um, not beat up on myself either if I didn't do everything my sponsor said. I had this one sponsor and she said, you know, she's like, this isn't Catholic school anymore. I I went to Catholic school, born and raised and, you know, did all that. So um, she's like, this isn't Catholic school. She's like, you're you're kind of performing as if I'm your teacher, your, your school teacher. And I thought, oh my God, I am. I, I just want to get straight A's and I want you to like be impressed by my efforts um, and how well I'm doing in this program. And that was like the first wake-up call when I realized, and this is why it's not sustainable, I really wasn't doing it for myself. You know, I mean, there was a part that was ego driven, but the other part was like, you know, um, I just, I, I, I want her to think that like, I'm so impressive and doing so well. And so anyways, um, I, I moved here to LA nine years ago and, uh, because I wanted to come to the Mecca. I wanted to come to the lavender fields with the birds chirping. (laughs) So I, I moved out here and, um, I really, really just totally took to these programs. I mean, you know, there's so many meetings every day and I was going every day, you know, 90 and 90 doing all that. And so I struggled with my abstinence. Like, you know, it took me about three and a half years to get this, to get the six and a half years that I have now. Uh, my bottom line abstinence is no binging and no overexercising. And, um, you know, people would, would say in meetings, like, you know, my abstinence is not perfect, but I'm abstinent. I'm like, what does that mean? If it's not perfect, then it's not abstinent. So if anybody's wondering, I'm going to tell you what that looks like for me. Um, you know, if I have an extra slice of pizza or two, two, that's, you know, I've overindulged. That's like moderate overeating. If I then go and have a box of donut holes and a dozen of cupcakes, that would be binging. So, you know, I'm on, if I if I have a little bit more and I'm a little uncomfortable, for me, that's like, you know, it's not perfect. Perfect would have been having the two slices of pizza and the bowl of salad. Well, you know, it's, I'm not perfect. Um, but I'm, I'm not binging. My, my life is not out of control because of my food choices or my inability to make good food choices in terms of portions. Um, so that's kind of what my abstinent looks like. Um, I do have boundaries around things that are problematic for me, which are known as, you know, red light foods um, in this program. And, um, and I stick to those boundaries. They, they just help me maintain my sanity. Um, and so a boundary, you know, would look like for me, like with, even though I'm a sugar addict and even though I'm a compulsive overeater, well, I can't stop eating. I could stop having sugar and I did do that a year for a full year. Um, but what I really, really wanted to work on was finding the gray. And I heard so many people in program, um, you know, for a lot of people, they said that didn't work. They couldn't find the gray with certain foods. And so um, the more I worked the program, the longer I've been in program, the more I've been able to be in the gray. I could not have been in the gray the first five to seven years of program. I just I just couldn't have. I wasn't ready. Oh. Stay tuned. Okay. So, um, thanks. So anyway, so today what it looks like is I have a dessert twice a week. Um, and it's a moderate dessert. It's not anything crazy. It's like normal, you know, whatever that is, but it's normal. Um, so I just, I just try to be in the gray. That's, that's what I found that works for me. At first I came into Hal, um, and that really, um, that was really, ran parallel to the, the food plan that I used to be on when I competed. It, I just, 
it worked because I liked the structure and I liked the control, but that's not what I needed. I didn't need structure and I didn't need control. I, I needed to trust in a higher power because I was so fear-based. And so it just came out in so many ways where I could control things. And I definitely can't control people and I can't control situations and I can't control the world, the politics, whatever, but I can control my food. And so that's why I always went to the food to control it. But what I realized is that for me, and this isn't for everyone, but for me, weighing and measuring, it just, it was too much for me. It just, it didn't feel like a, um, a self-love act. So, you know, um, I, I came back from how back into regular OA, and, um, and so I found the gray. And so for me, what I've realized is that, um, you know, someone mentioned, and, and, and happy birthday, um, and congratulations for being here as a newcomer, welcome. Um, someone mentioned earlier that, um, uh, what did they mention? I was on a roll here, I lost my train of thought. I don't know, but what I was what I was gonna say is, there's, there's I just kind of wrote some things down here that were important to me uh, that I wanted to talk about. And I've already kind of mentioned fear. And for me, fear showed up in ways that didn't look fear-based, for example, for years, I couldn't make a decision, like years, like most of my life. It just, I was, the indecision took me over. And it was like, I was too afraid to make the wrong decision. And then even if I made the right decision, I was kind of scared of what that might look like. Because that might be too much, like too overwhelming, you know? Like success actually overwhelms me sometimes, just as much as failure does. And so... Oh, I know what I was going to say. You know, someone mentioned, you know, like, it's not, it's not about the food. I mean, it's about the food when it's about the food. In fact, when it's about the food, it's only about the food. Nothing else out in the world exists. But, but when, when, you know, we can get past that a little bit and get a little reprieve, and it's not really about the food. For me, like, I don't know, this weird image comes to mind. It's like I'm in, an, I'm in a, like a New York City loft, and there's these just big, huge, like, 12 feet drapes across, and you can just open them, and the drapes are the food. And then you open them, and then it's like millions of skyscrapers, which to me is so overwhelming. And it's just so clustered, and it's like you can't breathe. And that's, that was, that's my life. That, 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 that's living life on life's terms. You know, like, it's, there's so much going on, you know, every day, all the time, feeling my feelings, sitting in my feelings. And so what I've, what I've really come to terms with is, like, living life on life's terms, for me, is about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because when I'm uncomfortable, I want a box of donut holes. Like, I, that's just the truth. So... What I've been really working on the past several years is uh, sitting in the feeling, like just, just sitting in the feeling, not doing like hyped up positive self-talk, which is great, and I'm going to get to that too, but um, just really sitting in it, like, like a hot bath. Just, it's going to be there. It's not comfortable. I'm not going to like it. For, in fact, when I first came into program, I always would say that like when something was bothering me, and I wanted to eat over it, it was like red ants crawling underneath my skin. It just like, oh my God, I just, I couldn't get reprieve fast enough, you know? And so, anyways, um, yeah, so, okay. So something else that I wanted to talk about outside of indecision and procrastination, because uh, I'm a great procrastinator, although what I've learned recently um, is 
just start with like a small step. When I came into program, I'm like, I gotta make this just amazing. It's gotta be like a blowout. It's gotta just look <laughs> incredible, you know? And like, oh, that is so overwhelming. Just, just the thoughts that go into that, you know, is so overwhelming. And so for me, it's like, I, I just can, I can start with a small step. Like, there's, there's a fellow in the room who reminded me that journaling in the morning was really helpful. Had done that in like six years. Not that I don't journal, but there's something to be said about journaling when I get up and connecting with my higher power. And just something that small. It's a small thing, and it's like had little rippling effects in my life. My day is better. My mood is better. You know, so I'm, I'm so grateful for these like, you know, small steps that I'm willing to take because it used to be if I can't take a big step, I'm not stepping at all. And, and the food kept me there, actually. You know, if I was in the food, I was in the fear. I, it's like someone says, you know, uh, what is it? Faith and fear can't coexist, like in the exact same moment. They can't, you know. I can't, I can't be in the food and, be in, and not be in fear. I can't be happy, joyous, and free and my face covered in a box of donut holes. You all know that obviously a box of donut holes is my thing. <laughs> so, um, so anyways, so the other thing I wanted to mention um, that I learned in this program um, is getting out of self-will. So for me, that looked like listening to my sponsor, and not thinking that I, what I knew was best. Um, because I would, I would hear my sponsor, and then I would do this whole, like, terminally unique approach, and um, it wouldn't get me very far. And it took me several years to really turn over my will. I think that's why it took me so long to get, not so long, but it took me three and a half years to get my current abstinence. And that's because I finally became willing to let it go. I finally became willing to turn it all over. And one thing that a sponsor early on helped me with was I didn't realize that I was doing this, but there was a lot of, like, negative self-talk. I mean, it was like a tape running in the background. I didn't have a whole lot of awareness around it until she brought it up one day, and she wanted me to try this exercise, which I thought was crazy. And um, now I do it all day. But... um, she said, the next time you have a thought that's just like anything short of positive, I want you to envision, like if you had a sister, which I don't, but I know what that would be like, if I had a sister or like um, a best friend or a small child, and and imagine that that child just shared that with you. And, and what would your response to him or her be? And then I want you to take that response and say it to yourself. And it was so awkward and so foreign, you know, like, I didn't, like, you know, hate on myself, but I think it's, like, normal chit-chatter for most compulsive overeaters that goes on in the brain, like, oh, God, I look fat today, or these jeans just, ugh, those thighs, or, you know, whatever, and, um, and it's, like, I, so then I would stop myself mid-sentence, and it'd be, like, straight-up contrary action, because I didn't believe it at first, and, you know, it would just be, like, well, you know, you don't look exactly the way you want, but you look good, you know, or something, whatever, something that I would say that would be nice. And I did that for probably six months before it finally took. That's a long time to practice an exercise, to strengthen a muscle. And when it took, 
like I never went back. I haven't gone back in years. The minute a thought comes in and that's just short of anything like my higher power would say to me, it's just, it's, it's such love. I respond with such love. I don't let that thought get carried for more than a second because I, I know I don't have a choice over my first thought, but I do have a choice over my second thought and my third and my fourth and my fifth. And so that's really the freedom. That's my higher power there. You know, I mean, I was awakened to that. I, I, I was like totally asleep at the wheel on that one. But being awakened to that now, like my whole day is different. My whole internal dialogue is different. The way I approach people, the way I approach myself, it's completely different. So, um, so that was pretty cool. And then, um, you know, so speaking about how I lived in another country, that was a geographic cure. I've done a couple of those, and they don't work. Um, and I think for me, what I realized finally was that um, I just, I can't get away from me. And I wanted to get away from me. I wanted to get out of my body. I wanted to not be me because I just couldn't control anything that was going on in my life. And I've always been like a great feeler. You know, like my dad died when I was eight. And, you know, I mean, I must have cried for like years. I mean, it, it was, that's like a very traumatic event to happen to a child. So I've got the whole crying down. I thought I had the whole feeling thing down. But when... Um, the woman that I saw for outside help who, you know, Eskimoed me in here, she, she gave me an exercise which, which was just go home before you binge and just sit and just see what comes up. And, um, I was like, yeah, she's not the right person for me because that didn't work. Nothing came up. So what I realized is while I have like these extreme highs and lows, it's like the more insidious feelings I can't get in contact with. That took me a really long time. And once it started to happen, like let's say something happened two weeks ago, you know, me and my boyfriend, we broke up two weeks ago. That's not true, but let's say that happened. Um, I wouldn't like feel the impact of that until like a couple weeks later. I was like a delayed reactor. I was a delayed responder. And today that's not the case. Something can happen and like in the hour, my feelings get to rise. I mean, that's huge. My feelings were so suppressed. I used food so well that I, I pushed those things all the way down to my toes. Like, it took me so long to get in touch with my feelings. So that, that's just been such a gift in program. Um, and gratitude. Oh, I'm so grateful for the fellows in this program because, like someone else shared before, um, you know, I got up here, um, without you guys, like, I wouldn't have a family. Yes, I have a family on the East Coast, and they're great, and none of them are in program, and they all should be because, you know, I'm not going to take their inventory. But there's a lot of addictions. So, <laughs> anyways, I'm the lucky one because I'm here. And so, and I really do feel lucky, you know. Um, but it's also really challenging because when I go back home, you know, um, I'm told that because I know more and I have more recovery, that makes me more responsible in any given situation or conflict, which I, I don't really particularly care for that burden of responsibility, um, but it is the truth, you know? Um, if I get into some sort of conflict with my mom, who's an untreated Al-Anon, um, it's like, you know, I've got the keys here. She doesn't. I have the keys to get out of this situation, to unlock this door and walk out of this situation in a loving, kind way. And so... Um, 
you know, I don't get everything that I get from you guys, from my family, and that's why I love you all so much. Even the people that I've never even seen in here, like, we all connect. We don't even have to, like, speak. We just connect. We all know why we connect, you know? And that's so precious, and it's so calming, and it's so peaceful, and, you know, I'm, I'm here in California, and I don't, there's, I moved out here, no one, no family, no friends, nothing, which is not, you know, totally ironic given that I'm an only child and I'm an isolator, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's like this, this, all these people, all these 12-step programs out here, like, I feel so grateful, and, you know, I mentioned a little bit about contrary action before, and I'm going to wrap up, I, I, I mentioned a little bit about contrary action before, and I just want to say that even though I have, you know, six and a half years of abstinence, which is not a lot compared to the veterans in this room, you know who you are, and um, <laughs> um, even though I have six and a half years of abstinence, um, you know, and, and I don't really think about the food. The food's not really, like, on my mind. I'd say... 3% of my, of my time might be dedicated to, you know, thinking about food or wanting something or whatever. But it's just not up for me today. You know, other things are up. Living life on life's terms, that's what's up. Feeling my feelings is what's up. Being uncomfortable, that's what's up. And sitting in them, that's what's up. Um, but the gratitude is what gets me out of, you know, that place of just, like, ickiness. That, that like, hole that you can spiral down into. Um, and, you know, just like a list of five things I'm grateful for. I don't do this every day because I forget. I've got amnesia like crazy. But I have fellows who remind me, did you make a gratitude list? No, I did not. I'll go do that. And so it's just, it, it gives me such perspective. You know, the, the 12 steps, oh, my God, I didn't even get a chance to talk about the 12 steps, which is so unfortunate because that's the blueprint of life. That is the blueprint. That is what helped me and helps me day to day be a better person, be kinder, be loving, get this whole gig of, like, life. Like, it's just, I don't know how people out in the world live without this, you know? It's really like the roadmap, you know? So um, I, I wanted to open it up for questions, so I'm going to end there. Thank you all so much for letting me be here. What's your favorite step and why? Uh, my, my, my favorite step is, and why um, that's hard. It's a toss-up between one and three. Um, I'm going to say that it's three. And, um, because it frees me. It just frees me. It, if I know that I'm not responsible for carrying the burden of whatever it is that's plaguing me mentally, because everything starts in my mind, um, if I can turn that over and give that to someone or something else, like, I'm, I'm freed up. I'm free. And that's all I want is to be free. You know, like this whole held in bondage thing, it's real. <laughs> I mean, you know, it is until it isn't. So, thanks. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. Um, can you talk about how you navigate social situations like dining out or parties? Yes, that's a great question. I'm very type A, so I love that question. Um, <laughs> So the question was, can you tell me how you navigate dining out, parties, social activities, that sort of thing? Um, I, am, I am really, really rigid 
around, if you haven't picked up on that, I'm really rigid around um, what works for me and what doesn't, and, and it has to be okay that it's not okay for you. For example, I can't tell you how many times that I've gone to, but just try this cheesecake. Just try. I'm like, no, no. I'm, I'm the most important person here in this room in terms of taking care of myself. No one, no one else in this room at this party, let's say, is going to be more concerned about how I feel after I eat that cookie or cheesecake or whatever it is than I am. And, and that, has to be the, that has to be the number one priority for me. And I think going into certain things, like a restaurant, for example, and I still do this today, I check out the menu before I go on the Internet. I just I want to know what my options are. I want to know what kind of uh, substitutions I'm going to need to ask the waiter. Like, I just, you know, that's just something I do. That's a part of my self-care regimen. And, th- and that's okay. And I know other people out there, like normies, who think I'm crazy for doing that. And that's okay, you know, because I'm the one who's got to deal with me and live with me. And, like, it is what it is. I wouldn't have, I don't know if I would have had that confidence 10 or 15 years ago. But being in this program for so long and having all of you do this with me, because I don't do this alone, like, I'm not the only one out there doing this, you know? So... What it was that got me abstinent, uh, it, it was like simultaneously the gift of desperation and being sick and tired of being sick and tired. I just was so done doing this whole gig. I was so tired of it. I know that point's different for everybody. Sometimes it's three, in, three years in a program. Sometimes it's 35. Sometimes it's never. I don't, I don't, there, you know, it's like there's no specific on October 11th, 2009. You know, it's like there is none of that. And I hate it when people would share that because I, I want that. I'm like, just tell me what was the tipping point. Um, but I can't tell you other than I just was sick and tired of being sick and tired and I had that gift of desperation. Yeah. Thank you. Can you talk about your higher power? What is your concept? Yeah, so um, this is a great question. What is my concept of my higher power? Uh, For the first seven years of the almost ten years I've been in program, I acted as if. That's a long time. I'm a committed, neurotic, type A person. (laughs) And I was committed to that because everyone told me, not directly, but everything I heard was, without a higher power, it's not going to work. This is a spiritual program. You need a spiritual solution. Act as if. And that's what my sponsor told me. Act as if until it's real. And it took about seven years. And I don't even think about it. It's just, that's my higher power. There's no form. There's no figure. There's no gender. There's no sexual orientation. There's nothing. It's just, I know that there's something greater than me. It's a power, and I don't even need to spend time on describing it or making a one ad for it, which another sponsor had me do, which is a great exercise because I gave adjectives to my higher power, compassionate, loving, kind, forgiving, you know, but um, it's just a power greater than me that, that I know is always, always there for me, always. Andy, what is your relationship with exercise like today? Uh, so I didn't get to mention that boundary. The, the question is, what is your relationship with exercise today? I do have a boundary around exercise as well. It's an hour and 20 to hour and 30 minutes, and that includes a 30-minute walk. Um, and there's no uh, killing myself. I go to enjoy. I go to be healthy. I go to increase my bone density, to strengthen my mind and my body. That's it. I don't go to work off the box of donut holes that I ate last night. Yeah, it's a, it's a complete shift in perspective and what I'm using it for. 
Yeah. Yes, Deanna. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your morning routine? Do you have a morning routine? Yes, I do. What's my morning routine? My morning routine starts with a body scan. So I just, because I, I, I wasn't connected to my body. Like, my head was here, and then the rest of my body, I don't know where it was, but I wasn't connected to it. So I try to get in my body, and I just kind of go through a little body scan. What am I feeling? Most of the time, I even have it right now, it's tension in my jaw. I have tension in my jaw. And that's just like normal stress. But it's so great to get in contact with what's going on because whatever's going on in my body is indicative of some feeling I have that I'm not aware of. So I start with that. I do my daily readers. This was like my favorite piece of literature. It's, it's for today for the listeners. It's so great. What's so cool real quick is in the back there, the most entries are for compulsive overeating and wanting. It, and if you ever compare them, it's just, you know... It's, it's so great. So um, my daily readers, um, I say the serenity prayer, and then I say the third step prayer, and then I do five to ten minutes of my journaling, and that's it. Yeah. We have two minutes. Any, anyone else? Nope. Oh, yep. Okay, yes. Hi, uh, thank you so much. Um, I, I like the idea of re- uh, asking yourself how you would talk to someone else when you have that negative thought. And um, did you find that difficult in the beginning? And when did it start to become a feel normal? Okay, so the question was um, when I use what I call positive self-talk when I have a negative thought, and when did it start to feel normal? Was it difficult in the beginning? Yes, in the beginning it was like Mandarin Chinese. I disliked it very much, very much. I can't express that enough, how much I disliked it. But my sponsor said, you just keep at it. It's contrary action. Maybe you don't want to brush your teeth at night. Whatever, you do it. And I do. So I just looked at it that way. It's contrary action. I'm going to keep trying it, keep trying it. I'd say it took about six months of doing it every day before it was like, this is really nice. I like talking to myself like this. Why would I ever have these thoughts about myself? I'm not terminally unique. You're not better than me. I wouldn't talk to you that way. And then that just stuck, and, it, and it's still six today. That's my time. Thank you.